an incredible experience to be able to come and be able to preach at Jersey Village on my last Sunday after 13 years and nine months. And if you're a guest with us, we want to welcome you. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you. And you're probably saying, what's going on around here? We're not losing our pastor, and you're not. Pastor Avery is here. Pastor Yvonne is here. But our church has been seeking God to find the next senior pastor over our global Champion Force Baptist Church. As you know, Pastor David Fleming uh, resigned on September 8, 2019. And then the pastor search committee was launched in November to pursue God to find God's man. And I actually entered that process. I've been global executive pastor uh, for our journey here. And I had sensed that God was calling me to go back into being a senior pastor. So I entered that process, got all the way to the end with our search committee. And uh, God led them to choose another candidate, which I want you to know that I'm very excited about. I've been able to spend seven hours with the chosen candidate, and he will be unveiled next Sunday, the name, and then uh, the date will be also unveiled when our next senior pastor, which will only be the fourth senior pastor in the history of Champion Forest, will be coming in view of a call. Now, though our family's transitioning out to go pursue what God has next for us, what's really awesome is out of 35 years of ministry, this is the first time in my journey that I am provided the grace space to really pursue what God has next for us. We've always gone from trapeze bar to the next trapeze bar, from trapeze bar to the next trapeze bar, and God is providing us this grace space so that we can really pursue him for what he has next for us, which I believe will be to be a senior pastor somewhere in the nation. And our yes is on the altar, and we're just like, Lord, whatever you want us to do, the answer is yes. But I'll have the opportunity to vote for the pastor search committee's candidate when he comes in view of a call, and I'll get to go on my phone, on my membership app, and I'm voting yes for the man of God that he's raising up his amazing wife and children. And I've shared this with him. In fact, we were just texting when I was putting my belt pack on back in the sound booth, just texting back and forth. He's praying for me. I'm praying for him. And, and listen, here's the reality. You're going to be so blessed with our new senior pastor, and he's going to be blessed by you. So it's a win-win and very excited. So thank you, Pastor Avery, Pastor Yvonne, for allowing me to come preach here at Jersey Village. And I have a picture of my family. It's hard to believe when we moved here almost 14 years ago, our son Austin was in second grade. Our daughter Tori was in seventh grade. Now he's a senior, plays football at Rice, getting married to Katie. I'll officiate their wedding on January 3rd. And then our daughter Tori is in her third year of teaching first grade at Earhart Elementary. And then Tanya and I are going to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary on January 5th. Can I have an amen right there? That's sweet, sweet, sweet. So we're excited for what God has in store, but it is bittersweet. And, and what we're sharing with people is we're grieving our losses. The, the thought of leaving Champion Force that we've been so connected to in the community that we have served for 13 years and nine months, it's hard to leave. So we're grieving our losses, and that's biblical, as we're rejoicing in the goodness of God. That's biblical. So we're walking in that reality. On Thanksgiving Day, which was just a few short days ago. Uh, we went to Louisiana to visit our families and went to Tanya's side of the family for lunch. And then we went to the Trammell side of the family for the evening. <clears throat> and my brother was there and I uh, sent him a little text. Say, hey, when you come, drive that car you bought. I'd like to drive it. So he brings this car that he found 
it was a miracle he found it. And here it is. It's a 1984 Datsun, before it became Nissan, Datsun 300ZX, 50th edition, anniversary edition. They only made 1,500 stick shift and 3,000 automatics in this edition. And my brother found this. Uh, the gentleman had died of cancer. His wife, in honoring him, put this car in their barn for 25 years. He located it. It only has 69,000 miles. He bought it. And as you can tell, it still looks brand new. And 1984 was special because that's when I was a freshman in high school. And it's when I raced BMX, bicycle, motocross, and that year became the national champion in my division. And then my friends started getting their driver's license. And one of my best friends got that car. And here we are this many years later. And I got to drive it on Thanksgiving night. And my daughter, Tori, who's never driven a stick shift, said, Dad, will you teach me how to drive it? Yeah, baby, come on, let's go for a ride. And so we went in that car, and then we took that picture. I took several of her that she posted on Instagram. It was an amazing, incredible night. And I want you to know, since that moment, it's like been dominating my thoughts of, I really like that car. I could buy one of them. I need one of those. And would you know it, what I'm preaching today is the 10th commandment. Of all the commandments I'm preaching on today, it's the one that speaks to what I'm wrestling with the most, coveting after that car. So if you'll join me in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, for our final commandment in our series, Louder Than Words. And as you're turning there, let me share with you how special it was just five years ago when George Moore called Champion Force said, hey, can y'all come meet with us and talk to us about how to, how to really embrace diversity and to do multicultural ministry? And we came to Jersey Village to meet with George and a few other staff members. And we met for about two and a half hours to talk about how to embrace diversity, how to do multicultural ministry. And God knit our hearts together. And then Jersey Village became a campus of Champion Forest. Isn't that amazing how God works? And we came into relationship. I've preached here many times. And then God raised up Pastor Avery that God brought to Champion Force coming up on seven years ago. And God raised him up to be your shepherd over this congregation and this campus along with Pastor Yvonne. Isn't God good? And God's timing is always perfect. And remember, anything over your head is beneath his feet. We serve a good God. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or your brother's car. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, I want you to notice the tension. The tension is your desire to acquire actually can inspire. You can desire to acquire a deeper walk with Jesus, and we want you to desire to acquire that deeper walk with Jesus. You can desire to acquire a sensitivity to God's activity, and we want that for you. We want you to grow in your love relationship and desire to be more like Jesus every day. That is a desire to acquire that will inspire others. However, your desire to acquire can also lead 
leads you down a path that dishonors God and actually disrupts the proper functioning of your relationships and even society. This word covet means to desire, to wish, to long for, crave something to a fault or detrimentally, especially the property of another person. The 10th commandment is a general safeguard against many other sins, particularly commandments 6, 7, 8, and 9. And here's what you'll discover in your journey with God, living on a broken planet in a fallen world. Here's what you'll discover. You'll write this down. Greed is the seed that converts a want into a need. Greed is the seed that converts a want into a need. So often I'll go into the kitchen and I'll say, I need three scoops of bluebell ice cream. And Tanya will say, do you really need that or do you want that? I said, baby, that want has become a need. <laughs> and it's amazing how we convince ourselves of things that we want are really needs. And what happens is greed takes over. And it so infiltrates our lives and dominates our lives that what is a normal natural desire or craving can be taken beyond the limits of God's provision. Greed is the seed that converts a want into a need. To covet is to feed inward desires for anything that God says is sinful. To covet means to feel an ordinate desire for what belongs to another, to crave or to desire passionately. What we notice here is the Israelites were not to long for or desire earnestly or lust after what legitimately belonged to others. Several years ago, I was able to spend three days with Dr. Adrian Rogers, who's a great man of God, pastor of Bellevue in Memphis, Tennessee, and twice Southern Baptist Convention president. And before he went to heaven, he invited uh, 40 pastors to come spend three days with him. By the grace of God, I was invited. So just spending those three days with him, after that, when I left, I literally typed out 100 nuggets I learned from Dr. Adrian Rogers. And I want to share one of those with you now. In temptation, Satan seeks to get you to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Isn't that good? So here's what we notice. When your desire to acquire catches on fire, you begin to worry. The more you have, the more now you have to take care of and worry about. When your desire to acquire catches on fire, you begin spending more than you make. That mountain of debt escalates and those credit cards get maxed out. When your desire to acquire catches on fire, you become disappointed and dissatisfied. You begin to live in this posture of it's never enough. And if you're married, it, it's, you're never satisfied. It's never enough. And, and your mate lives knowing they're never enough because you're always wanting more. There's not enough sufficiency in your life because you're desiring so much more. And, and you have in your mind this, this imagination of this is what it could be, this is what it should be. And what is happening is your desire to acquire is catching on fire. And ultimately, you become weary. You grow weary in trying to keep up with the Kardashians. When I was growing up, it was trying to keep up with the Joneses. And then by the time you caught them, 
they refinanced. And you're on this journey because of this desire to acquire catches on fire. So what I want to know this morning is how to control the desire to acquire. How to control this desire to acquire. Let me give you three habits to write down. Number one, cultivate gratitude. Well, Pastor Trammell, that's very fitting. We just came out of Thanksgiving. That's a good word. Cultivate gratitude. Now, why, that, why is that so important? Ingratitude is natural. Entitlement is natural. Gratitude is supernatural. And as Zig Ziglar used to say, put gratitude in your attitude. Jim Elliott, missionary martyr, once said, one of the great blessings of heaven is to the appreciation of heaven on earth. So I want to challenge us this morning. Be thankful. Be appreciative and be grateful. Psalm 105, verse 1, O give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Say it with me. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I remember during my teenage years going through a little season where I was a little jealous of some others who had some things I didn't have. And growing up in a single-parent family after my parents' divorce and my dad becoming a severe alcoholic, there were just some things we couldn't do or couldn't buy. And I remember this phrase being said near me. I was upset about having no shoes. Until I met someone who had no feet. Cultivate gratitude. Here's habit number two. You ready for it? Say amen. amen. Unleash generosity. Unleash generosity. We serve a gracious, generous God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, guilt says... I owe you. Anger says, you owe me. Jealousy says, God owes me. And greed says, I owe me. I've met greedy poor people, and I've met greedy rich people. Greed isn't a financial issue, it's a heart issue. And greed is the assumption that everything is for my consumption. Does your family ever feel like you value your stuff over them? Have you ever placed a greater value on a possession than on a person? That's the nature of greed. When we moved here almost 14 years ago, as I shared, my son Austin was in second grade. Our daughter Tori was in seventh. And we moved into the Moran's home uh, Victor and Lizette Moran, their son, Daniel Patrick, was wounded in, in war and was at Bamsey in the Burn Medical Unit, and they were there with him. So they asked us if we would be willing to move from uh, Baton Rouge to their home and just house it while we were looking for a home in Houston. And so we agreed, and we moved into their home, and they insisted, move into the master bedroom. And we're like, no, 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 we'll just go upstairs. No, 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 please, we want you and Tanya to be in the master bedroom. And they had a Tempur-Pedic mattress. Hallelujah. One day our son Austin was in their home upstairs, 
bouncing a basketball and working on his drills between his legs and doing all these cool things. And he came up with this idea that he'd go to where the stairs are and the first set goes this way and the next set goes all the way down the bottom. And he wanted to see if he could just bounce the ball one step at a time as he goes down. And he was doing so good, made the turn, and on the top of that turn, he bounced and it caught the edge, and the ball just projected forward all the way down to the first floor, and it hit a crystal vase, a family heirloom that had been in the family for generations, and it exploded. And Tanya and I were in the den, and we heard it, and we went, oh, oh no, and we start running into that area and that crystal was in millions of pieces on the ground and Tanya's like we're going to go buy a house so we had to call Lizette say here's what we did we're so sorry we'll replace it we'll buy you three or four of these things we're so sorry we know it had to be very meaningful to you and they said ah don't worry about that at all it's just a cheap crystal it's not a Waterford it's something we bought at such and such rummage sale it's no big deal. We're just glad y'all are there. And we went and bought a house that day. <laughs> what matters more to you? People or possessions? You see, people with greed lodged in their heart fear that God either can't or won't take care of them. So I want to challenge us this morning. Be generous and share with others. 2 Corinthians 9, 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Hebrews 13, 16, do not neglect to do good and to share with what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. How do you please God? Generous in your giving. Romans 13, 9 and 10, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, which we're covering this morning, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfilling of the law. Let me give you another good quote from Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Cultivate generosity. Number three, learn contentment. Learn contentment. Now save this one for last because it's the heavy one. It's the one we're so challenged with living in our very blessed society. I don't know if you noticed, but over Thanksgiving, it was you're talking about Christmas and Christmas music's playing and you're asking family members, now what do you want for Christmas and what do you want for Christmas? It's like nobody can decide. You want to know why? We already have everything. Or they'll say something like this. Well, I had five things on my list, but I just ordered them from Amazon and they're going to be here in 20 minutes. We're so blessed. In fact, I loved my iPhone 11 until the iPhone 12 came out. Learn contentment. And it is something we have to learn. And one way is to stop comparing yourself to someone else. People who know that I'm a golfer often will say, well, well Pastor Stephen, are you a pretty good golfer? And I'll say, well, compared to whom? 
Compared to Tiger Woods, I am not a very good golfer. Compared to Charles Barkley, I'm a phenomenal golfer. It depends on who you're comparing me to. You'll hear often people say, well, I wonder if they're rich. Are they rich? Well, compared to whom? If you look at compared to the population on the globe, if you make more than $50 a day, you're considered extremely wealthy out of over 7.4 billion people. I love what Andy Stanley says. There's no win in comparison. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Luke 12, 15 And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So the question I want to place before you is this. Will you ever be happy? Will you ever get to that place in your life where you embrace contentment? Whenever Tori had finished her freshman year at LSU and she came back home and parents and grandparents, you know what it's like when you send your kids off to college, they become very independent. They grow up supersonic fast and then they have to come back to stay with you the next summer after their first year of college. And they're having to come back into your rhythm, your lifestyle, that we go to bed at a decent time. We wake up really early. If you're going to live here, you've got to come join our rhythm of life. And sometimes you have to have a little chat. And Tori and I were having a father-daughter chat in our kitchen late, late, late one night. And just going heart to heart. And she began to just share with me some things that she's wrestling with and anticipation of going back to LSU. And and just beginning to share about some things that were weighing on her. I could just feel the burdens, feel the pain. And, And as a dad, I just wanted to protect her and provide for her and reassure her. And so I gave her three phrases the Lord just put in my heart. I I just shared these three phrases, and they so connected with her. Now, that's when you know God's speaking, right? When a teenager's writing things down, God's working. And she took three different sticky notes, and she wrote these three phrases down. And I want you to see a picture of the exact sticky notes. Here they are. Here's the first phrase I said. Enjoy the blessings God has lavished on you. The second phrase was, Tori, live in the moment. You're so consumed with the future and what if and if this will come together. Like, live in the moment. Don't miss this moment. You'll never get it back. And then the third phrase was, focus on the 90%. If you're not careful, you'll spend your life focusing on the 10% that you don't have, the 10% you wish you could be, the 10% you're not, or the 10% somebody else has. You'll get so fixated on this 10% that someone else has or that you desire that you can't acquire. You'll get so fixated on the 10% that you'll bypass the 90%. And then as only Tori could do, she added hashtag contentment. And what's so powerful is I can take you to her most recent car this morning. And it's got a little sticky note on it that says, focus on the 90%. Hashtag contentment. Where does that come from? 
Philippians chapter 4, where Paul is in prison. He's chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. Every eight hours, a new soldier is attached. I preached a message with a chain around my neck. What would it be like to be chained to the Apostle Paul? And then I ended with what it would be like, I wonder, for somebody to be chained to you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What Paul was saying is, I've been to the palace and I've been to prison. I know what it is to have much and have very little, to be well-fed or to be hungry. And I've learned the secret to be content in any and every situation. And then here's the secret, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's a life point. It's a question. What does God want me to do with the allotment of time and treasure he has given me? Only you can answer that. What will matter in eternity? When Tori was in seventh grade, I was in the carpool line to drop her off at school. They had a little issue where we were just stuck for quite a while. And I remember just thinking about all the things I needed to get done that day and just the pressure I was feeling. And I took out a McDonald's napkin, one of my red pens, and I wrote down this question, what will be different in eternity because of my life on earth today? That will bring you into alignment. So ask God to perform a spiritual heart cath. Man looks at the outer, outward appearance. God looks where? At the heart. So do a spiritual heart cath. Are there any of your desires beyond the guardrails God has established? Are any of your desires leading you down a road that dishonors God? Are any of your desires straining your intimacy with God? Has the seed of greed taken root in your life? And have you come to the place where Jesus is more than enough? Are you able to live out Mark 12, 30, and 31? And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So what about you? What needs to change in your life? What adjustments do you need to make? What habits do you need to embrace for the transitions you face? Would you pray with me? Father, we want to thank you for allowing us to have this precious time together. God, you're so patient with us. We drift. We have times where we let go of you. And God, I want to thank you that you never let go of us. That you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were yet sinners, you allowed Christ to die for us. You've already established our value. And God, you made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of yours. We thank you that we can claim your promise that it's by grace we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's your gift, not of works, so that none of us can boast. 
And we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which you have prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Lord, help us to control the desire to acquire. And may our desire to acquire be moving from worldliness to godliness as we pursue you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, let me give you a moment right where you are to do business with God. And I'm going to invite you at the end of this service to go to my right, your left, to the prayer room. And our prayer partners will be available to receive you, to pray with you. They'll have a mask on, they'll social distance, and they'll say, hi, what's your name? What's on your heart? And you can share, I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. Or maybe you'll say, I want to become a member of Champion Force. Or you know what? I want to follow a believer's baptism. I need to get that right. Or maybe I have a prayer need. Would you pray with me? And they'll pray with you. For those of you who are joining us online, if you'll just text your name to the number on the screen, and one of our ministers will contact you to assist you in the decision that you want to make or the prayer that you want prayed over you. Father, I want to thank you for our precious, precious time together. Thank you for Champion Forest Baptist Church. Thank you for our Jersey Village family. God, what a blessing they are to you and to us and to all. God, we just pray your hand of blessing will continue to be upon us. And Lord, you'll give us by the power of your Holy Spirit the ability to control our desire to acquire and that we'll focus our passion on pursuing you and walking in the light you give us, sharing your love and shining your light. Your grace makes it amazingly possible. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord. I'll have to slip out to go to our Champions Campus to preach there in just a few minutes. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.